Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm back as your director of fun and games this evening. I gotta tell you, last week, I'm like sitting there on vacation thinking, man, I should have done this show. But then I was like, eh, what the fuck were we gonna talk about? But we're back now, and uh, we're less than a week out from the expansion draft. The offseason is truly getting going. We're getting LTIR rumors, all sorts of things going out, people going on, people getting bought out. We're going to cover all of it and how it affects yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers. Let's start it off as we always do with the intros. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So, like, I know theoretically this is going to be an exciting summertime for us as Flyers fans, but so far I'm really bored and I need something to start happening. Like, there's all these things happening with other teams and... Not all of them are good. Like, I'm not saying, like, good things are happening for everybody with the Flyers, but I'm just bored. Like, I, I need Chuck to do something that isn't a press conference telling me about how he hasn't done anything yet. Like, I need I need some action. I'm bored. That press conference was awful. It was just very strange. Like, I don't know why they did it. What was the point of it? They haven't had a press <laughs> conference was, in a while. It was awful, I guess. Well, he this specifically a- said I- in the press conference that hey, just to let you guys know, stuff probably isn't going to happen until after the expansion draft. So oh, was that the point of it? I think that was part of it. To gotcha. be like, guys, chill, let's, chill guys. Let's, let's, <laughs> calm down a little bit here. It might Listen, take Kelly, a couple days. Specifically, Kelly Hinkle, yeah. you're not getting any action right now. Just do something else with your life. Well, I Chuck. just, like, there's so much going on in hockey. I don't know how you're bored. Who can say? Because it's all like, it's going on, (laughs) but it isn't like, it's like, oh, Tarasenko has, you know, a trade list, but he's not getting traded. Like, oh yeah, like Duncan Keith got traded to the Edmonton Oilers. Like, let's all laugh at the Oilers because they traded for an old guy because he's got a gray beard. Like, it's not, (laughs) like, we're just waiting for the good shit to happen. Like, you know, Vetchkin hasn't signed a contract yet. He's gonna... Like, so it's, it's, we're just kind of in that. Suter and Parise got bought out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I do think there's a story five years ago. There's a reasonable point to make that like, yes, a lot of things have been happening, but all the things that have been happening are bad for the team that they've been happening to. That's true. Not necessarily. 
No, they all pretty much are. Like the Chicago like, Blackhawks, it wasn't bad for them. <laughs> I mean, true, but it could end up being bad for yeah. them if this all thing is a big plan for them to get Seth Jones. Because apparent for two reasons. Number one, apparently Columbus is requiring currently in the trade talks with Chicago is requiring they give them both Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist or Alex <laughs> DeBrinket, which is insane. <laughs> if they do that, that's insane. Yeah. Um, especially like and and I've said on multiple occasions that I'm fine with the Flyers targeting Seth Jones. But the reason why I'm fine with the Flyers targeting Seth Jones is because I think the Flyers are like relatively close to contention if they make some moves. Chicago isn't. So I don't really understand why they want Seth Jones. It just it doesn't make much sense to me because it's like you don't get Seth Jones if your team is bad and they are bad. Like wow. Seth Jones is not going to make a bad team good as we saw in Columbus, which is a bad team that he did not make good. So I don't really understand why Chicago wants Seth Jones so bad, aside from the fact that they think they're better than they are, which means they're going to screw up even worse. They have the best player in the NHL, don't you watch award shows? Oh, right. Yeah, he won the ESPYs, right? Yeah. Patrick Kane. Which is definitive. Definitely the best player in the world, without a doubt. (laughs) For sure. I still think... The ESPYs still happen? I know. Apparently. That's the biggest surprise of anything. (laughs) I still think that... You know, the the way that hockey Twitter goes off the deep end when anybody has a brother and anything <laughs> happens to that brother and, like, automatically it means that same thing is going to happen to the player in question. Like, the way that hockey Twitter just is obsessed with brothers blows my mind. And I actually, I had to ask earlier this week, does this happen in other sports? And apparently it does Kind of. Hockey is a lot more um incestuous. That's the that's a good word. Then not not incestuous, um, but like I feel like in nepotistic. other sports Yeah, there aren't as many like football coaching staffs are really nepotistic, but like it, it seems like there's a lot more siblings in hockey than in the other sports. Yeah. I think yeah. And this this may be a bit controversial of a of an assertion but i think the one thing you got to realize with hockey is that there's a very high barrier to entry yeah. in terms of financial and in terms of connections and the thing is is that if your family is wealthy enough to get you into hockey because you're really good it's like well we'll get your brothers into it too yeah and then if you've got that connection, then, like, you're getting, like, if if the older brother is getting in with, like, the U.S. National Team Development Program or the older brother is getting in with some, like, big junior program or whatever, like, there's, it's, I imagine it's easier for the younger brothers to follow because you've built those connections and hockey is such a world that's such an insular world that it's probably just easier. Whereas the other sports are, I think, are a little bit more open to like people from different backgrounds you know what i mean i i, I don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm talking in circles here a little bit but no, i just no, feel like, like I, I just feel like like everybody can play basketball no, to play you know basketball I mean? you need a hoop and a ball yeah like exactly, every exactly. every middle school and high school has a football team it doesn't cost a thousand dollars to play which is like what hockey cost me to yeah. play like it's it's just yeah. different like that's why soccer is the most fucking played sport in the world you need a net and a ball like set up I, I, I guess I guess the, you're ready to go. 
the underlying point I'm making is I think in hockey there's I think there's a lot of a lot of young players, and I'm not talking like young as in you know 17, 18 year olds. I'm talking about like between the ages of eight and twelve. I think there are a lot of players who, with the right support, would make the NHL, but they never get that support because they're not from families that have the financial means to go forge the degree that other families can. Oh yeah, yeah I agree, and a lot of times. Those families that are able to support multiple sons playing hockey have a father or an uncle Who played or hockey. a grandfather that played hockey. Exactly. And then they get the connections from there as well. Yep. I don't remember how we got here, but I really appreciate Charlie jumping in to the extent he did just in case I forgot to intro him again. <laughs> <laughs> from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, so uh, another thing that happened, I believe this was this week. It was either this week or like late last week. It was definitely in between the last show. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning killed the Stanley Cup. They did. I think that happened. It's dead. I think they broke it. specifically, which is not at all surprising. (laughs) R.I.P. Stanley Cup. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is that there are three Stanley Cups. Yes, there are multiple Stanley Cups. They all belong to Pat Maroon. Yeah, good call. (laughs) <laughs> every single one of them. Every single one of them. But that was You know that, how that, some houses have columns out front? Pat Maroon just has Stanley Cups. <laughs> he just has replica Stanley Cups as the columns. Like that's what's holding yeah. up like his his doorway is Stanley Cups. Yeah. I mean, that's I how, do it. That's how you know. Like that's how you know you're having a good time. When you when you destroy a landmark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just, wasn't even that wasn't even a dent. They no, literally bet the thing. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it needs to go back to Canada for repairs. I was like, the repairs are going to be a new cup because this one's broken. <laughs> yeah. Poor Philip Pritchard. Is that his name? I believe so, yes. The keeper of the cup? Yeah. That they give the gets... players one of the replicas, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah the players guy... will take the original. That guy just gets to party all summer every year. He's on the winning yeah. team. Like what Just escorting fucking, around. What a fucking life. That's incredible. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I have two things to say. First of all, the most exciting and the most relevant, we are having a draft party. Hooray! Uh, it will be Friday, July 23rd. Starts at 6 p.m. The draft itself starts at 7 p.m. And we will be at Bully's Pub inside Xfinity Live. Uh, there is a Phillies game that night. So if you're driving, expect to pay for parking uh, within one of the lots there. Or you can park in the neighborhood and walk, which is what I would personally do. Or you could take SEPTA. Uh, Subway. Yeah. What's up? I said, or you could take SEPTA. Or you could take SEPTA. So because there is a Phillies game, you know, expect there to be tens of people going to watch <laughs> the baseball team. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't been in Philly in months, so I don't know what the mask requirement is. I don't None. know what the vaccination situation is, but uh, the venue has both indoor and outdoor spaces. Um, and we do, we are going to, um, expect that people wear masks when they're not eating or drinking. Inside the whole time? If they're not eating or drinking, I just think it's safer. We're going to have a few hundred people. Okay. Because that is no longer the requirement in the city. 
I would like it to happen, but I understand if people aren't comfortable with that. It's just, there's going to be a few hundred people. We don't know the vaccine status of all of these or even any of them. Um, and there's a few different variants now out there. I just want everyone to be safe. And that's all that I'm saying. I want everyone to be safe and comfortable, but mostly safe. Uh, cause this is our first event since 2019. And I don't want to have to wait another two years before we have oh, our next man. one. Was it Festivus 2019 is the last thing we did? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I feel I know. Um, I want everybody to be safe, except we got to get Steph on the bull. That's, that's something mm. we got to do. We well, got to get her over. Ride the bull with a mask on. We got to get her over to PBR, get her on the bull. I mean, I'll do it. I've done it before. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it if I have to. Oh, yeah, that's the other big point. I'm coming home, folks. I'm going to be there. She's coming home. She's coming home. Um, um, the second point that I wanted oh, to yeah, make, which is one. really fun, and you'll see some of this uh, later this week, but um, SB Nation NHL Reacts asked fans of every team who Seattle is going to select from your team in the expansion draft. And the results are fucking hilarious. Robert Haig. Like, no, they said JVR from the Flyers, which is reasonable. But some of the other guys that they have them taking, like, they have Seattle taking Ryan Ellis from Nashville. Like, like, Ryan Ellis isn't going to be protected or, like, traded for assets you don't just give away a player of ryan ellis's caliber very true (laughs) i would think not no some of these like some of these names are fucking ridiculous we did end up meeting the forward defenseman goalie requirements we did not hit the contracts for 21 22 requirement and we are more than i think it was like 20 million dollars over the cap (laughs) so you're stanley cup contender right there (laughs) stanley cup contender can compete with tampa Uh, bay the seattle kraken we're we're doing great here um we will have an sb nation site by the time the season starts but not by the expansion do we have a name this was just no (sighs) um this was the fun, the funniest and most fun exercise that I've I've seen just because it's so unrealistic and it's really funny to see that it's unrealistic mostly across the board from NHL fans. Well, like it's funny to me. That's to be expected because like every fan is working with like the Ryan Ellis thing obviously. Okay, that's silly. But like every fan's working from within a vacuum of their team. So they're not taking yeah. into account like, oh yeah, there's 30 other teams involved in this thing. There's a salary cap. There's requirements. So like, it's go- it's not going to be dead on. Like, Timothy Jimothy, do you think that he's <laughs> going to get selected in the expansion draft? Or is he going to be traded for assets? <sighs> Who can say? I would love Oshi. Um, so I have, I have a terrible confession to make. It's really... At my other job, uh, you better you bet, you can hear it on the Odyssey app, 3 to 7 p.m. every day. 
we did a sports trivia segment yesterday because it's MLB All-Star Week and how the hell else are you going to fill an hour? Um, my one host has like an encyclopedic mind for sports trivia, so he took on the whole crew and their specialties. I, of course, took him on in hockey. And I had it. I had this thing. I should have won. But I let, honestly, all of us down. All of us here at Broad Street Hockey, all of Flyers Twitter, Flyers fans everywhere. I got asked, who was the number one overall pick in 2007? And, like, of all years. How did this not come to me? We talk about this all (laughs) the time. This comes up, like, twice a month on this show. Like, the Flyers went 22-60, and 60, didn't get the first pick, and then that guy scored a cup-winning goal against them. I, I've Who been furious say? for, like, 18 hours. Did you just blank, or did you not yeah. did you say a wrong answer? I, I was just like, I, 2007, like, uh, Jordan Stahl. Like, I just had nothing. Like, it just wouldn't come to me. I never remember... Like, I remember events. Like, obviously, I remember the Flyers selecting James Van Riemsdyk in that draft, but, like, out of nowhere, off the top of my head, if you had asked me, like, in the middle of a Tuesday, what year that happened, it would have taken me a little bit to get to 2007 yeah. if I got there at all. So, you know, brains. I just, brains. I, it's... Truly, they are yours. <laughs> it's the most embarrassed I've ever been on air, and, like, that's saying something, considering all the shit I, I say on this say, show. I was gonna say, you do this show, so that's yeah. wild. All right. So we brought up the expansion draft earlier. It's finally time. It's finally time to talk protection lists. I've been putting it off for like, I don't know, eight years or however long this thing's been. Literally. This thing's been happening. But we won't be doing another show until the day after the expansion draft. So that kind of works out for us. Uh, So now this is the uh, expansion draft preview. And I don't know how the rest of you felt because I wanted to make a whole segment out of this. Okay, we have our lists. We debate. You know, looking at it, it seems like there's only one right answer. And, you know, last time we got thrown a bit of a... Like, we weren't sure about who was going to get protected, who wasn't. There were a few curveballs, like Lawton was in there. Wasn't Michael Roffel protected last time? Like No, Michael Michael Roffel was not. He we was all not. Thought there, he was not. We all thought Roffel was going to be the guy they took, and then they took Belmar instead. Right, right, okay. Because they protected Lawton. Lawton was the surprise. Because Lawton was, was the like, surprise over Lawton Roffel. had just... Yeah, Lawton had just come off of the year where they sent him back down to the minors to like learn how to be a bottom sixer. So yeah. we assumed they were going to leave him open, and then they protected him instead of Raffle, and then they didn't take Raffle, they took Belmar. But just looking at this thing, uh, I assume the Flyers go with the 7-forward, 3-D, 1-goalie setup because like they don't have four good defensemen, at least one's worth protecting. Um, so does anything but... Giroux, Hayes, Couturier, Konechny, Limblom, Lawton, Patrick, Provorov, Sanheim, Myers, Hart, make any sense? I tr- You're right there, Hanks? <laughs> Did she freeze? She might have Hanks just started talking and then got this really confused look on her face on the Zoom yeah. call. So I will take over for Hanks. I don't think she can hear us anymore. Hanks seems extremely confused. Okay. Uh, anyway, um... <laughs> No, I mean, I think this is the logical one. Um, It's the one that I've been projecting pretty much since the end of the season. 
Um, I it checked just makes your sense. article on the Athletic 1.0. I was like, "There's not going to be a 2.0. This is the list." I, yeah, that was the thing. Like, <laughs> I set myself up to like potentially yeah. do more, especially if the Flyers made some changes or if I heard things, you know, in talking yeah. to, to yeah. sources and whatnot, you know, to adjust it. There just hasn't been a reason to. Like, you know, Fletcher after the trade deadline, Fletcher essentially confirmed that they were protecting Lawton. So he was like a, well, they protect Lawton. They probably will, but who knows? He said they're protecting him. I believe he's also confirmed they're protecting Limblom. So that's another guy where it's like, well, I think they will, but maybe not. So, and then he has to protect Giroux because of the no move. He has to protect Hayes because of the no move. He's going to protect Couturier because Couturier is the team's best player. Presumably he's protecting Konechny because he's a guy who Seattle would take in a heartbeat. So really the only guy, and then look at the, the defense, like Proveroff, Sandheimer, no-brainers. I guess maybe you could talk yourself into the possibility of protecting Ghost over Myers, but like you just waved Shane Goss's bear and no one claimed it. So why would you, why would you protect him? I've been on, you guys have been telling me for months, like, oh no, they'd take Myers if he was exposed. And I've been on the like, yeah, no, they wouldn't because they're not going to take a bad player train. And he was a bad player last year, but like, they're going to protect him over Ghost. Like they just are. Like, exactly. (laughs) And they then they're going to protect Hart. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah, Hart's the like, only... Li- yeah, like literally the only guy, and I still think that he's going to be protected, the only guy that I have any real bit of, like, well, I wonder, is Patrick. Like, I just, I think they're going to protect him. He's the only guy on that list that I'm like, you know, if they're really just done with him, like, would they? I don't think so, especially because I think that they realize, like, we want to expose the higher-priced guys yeah. because we need cap space. Like, yes, JVR is a substantially better hockey player than Nolan Patrick right now. But Nolan Patrick is cheap, and he's 22, and, you know, he's a guy, if you're an expansion team, you take a flyer on, whereas if you're JVR, it's like, well, he's $7 million, you know, 32 years old. I—, I that's the only one that I a little bit go back and forth on, but I do think they protect Patrick in the end because they believe that he's going to be more likely to be taken. And if he's taken, there's no real benefit aside from you no longer have to talk about Nolan Patrick anymore. Whereas if, <laughs> if, whereas if JVR or Voracek is taken, then you have seven, $8 million of extra cap space to do stuff this offseason, which they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm... Oh, go ahead, so, Steph. No, I, I agree with this list. Um... I want to not right now, but kind of once the conversation spins that way, talk about what the concerns were a couple years ago, because I know that people were very upset about this Lumi expansion draft. Um, but I think looking at this, who do you expect Seattle to take? Because I think that it could be any one of these exposed guys, and that's not necessarily complimentary towards them. Well, that's so for for reference here. Um, where do I have this? So Farabee, Allison, Frost, and York are all exempt. Right. Uh, they'll be exposing they're the babies. Yeah, with the uh, with the setup we talked about, they'd be exposing JVR, Jake, Ghost, Nak, Braun, Haig, and then the UFAs: Moran, Elliot, Lyon, and Andrioff. Like yeah, and then there's be... a couple. There's a couple other guys, like, and I think, like, like some Bunneman, lower level guys. Like, yeah, yeah, like Connor Bunneman, yeah. Torinsky, I believe. Like there are FAs and they're exposed. So, but like we have to remember, and and this changed my entire perception of the expansion draft. They are going to consult with Dave Hackstall. <laughs> like they are going to consult with him. They are going to ask oh, him. Awesome. You spent years with some of these guys. 
what would you do? Or what are your thoughts on these players? Like, they are going to ask for his input. So maybe we do need to start listing those lower level guys like Connor Bonneman and Carson Torensky. I mean, yeah, I mean, those those kind of guys, though, I think those are the guys you take. <laughs> like, I don't think those are the guys you take if, you know, I don't Dave, let me put it this way. I don't think Dave Haxtell is going to be banging the table for Connor Bonneman. Like, I just, like, no. those are the kind of guys you take if you literally don't like anyone and you just need to take someone from a team. So you're just like, sure, we'll take this AHL guy and use him as organizational depth because it, it that allows us not to take a player we don't really like and is maybe too expensive or whatnot. I think the Flyers are in a position where they have enough valuable players available that they won't, that Seattle won't need to do that. Um, I've, for a long time, I've sort of been operating on the assumption that James Van Riemsdyk makes the most sense for Seattle because I don't think his contract is prohibitive. He only has two years left on it. He's still good. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a high character guy. I think he'd, he'd be a good leader in that locker room. You know, he's the NHLPA representative for the Flyers. He's a guy who young guys on the team look to for, you know, training tips. Like he's, he's the kind of guy who fits on an, on a, uh, an expansion team. I still sort of believe that. Like, I think he makes the most sense for Seattle if that if Seattle just picks, if that's it. But going by that that Chuck press conference on 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 Monday or Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday. Days aren't real, um, but I think it was Tuesday. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if Chuck might get a little spicy with this, you know, with with sweeteners or with like oh good. You know, making making trades with Seattle for players. Like, I'm wondering if this gets a little spicy. And if it does, maybe JVR is not the guy. Because to me, JVR is the chalk choice. You know, he's a good player. If if Chuck just were to say, we're not giving you any sweeteners. Here's our list. Pick who you want. I feel like Seattle would be like, yeah, JVR makes sense. Let's get yeah. our score. But if Chuck is going to use the expansion draft to try to clear some space... Then you get Voracek involved, and yep. it seems like they might be motivated to move him. And if they're motivated to move him, Seattle's the team. Like Seattle's, they have they have eighty one point five million dollars worth of cap space to take on anyone. If you're moving Jake Voracek, he makes sense. That said, and Steph brought it up, there's the hack thing. You know, did Dave Hackstall love Jake Voracek? I don't think he hated Jake Voracek, but he certainly knows. You know that Jake Voracek at times can be difficult to coach, so it adds another wrinkle to it. It's going to be really interesting. I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, like uh, JVR to me is the one I would think. Uh, like Patrick getting taken is the worst case scenario because it does absolutely nothing for you. Right. So, but like JVR, I want to protect because like. All the things you said about him are true. He is still good. He is a good locker room presence. His contract isn't prohibitive. There's only two years left on it. And he scores a ton of goals. So, like, you can trade him. You know, he's like an actual valuable trade asset if you want to move on and get that cap space where, like, Jake, it's a tougher sell. Jake is a good player, but at that price, it's going to be much harder to move him with the term remaining a million and a half or whatever more than JVR a year. Um, so it's, but yeah, if you expose Patrick, I, why wouldn't you take a flyer on Patrick? I guess, um, yeah, 
They're, I just don't think that they're going I to. Would, I don't think they're going to expose No, him. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think they take JVR. That's It just makes the most sense. I think they're going to be enough defensemen that they won't bite on Ghost. Um, and then again, you know, Hack. Um, there's no, Hack, yeah. there's Come like on. no way they take Braun or Haig, right? Like that's, Braun like I is right Braun there. There's a like possibility the, they take Haig. I think, I don't think it's a big possibility, but the, it, it, it exists. I, I think I, Braun is so. I think so, Braun is like, yeah. Braun is Braun so is like much the more like. Belmar. Yeah. 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 He's the Belmar That's a perfect, option, that's a perfect comparison, Kelly. Like, is he a star? No, but you know exactly what you're getting out of him. Like, we just saw, you know, Edmonton hand over assets to take on a, a, a toxic asset, basically, like, because the guy has a gray beard and has been to the cup before. Like, <laughs> like this is what, they, these are the people who run this league. No matter how smart you want to say the people running Seattle are, one, no, they're not, because they fucking hired Dave Haxtall. <laughs> and two they work in the nhl no one's really that smart uh except for tampa bay apparently so like braun would not shock me at all and that's yeah, just, i don't think that really leaves them in a in a bind with these contracts still yeah the the braun braun has always been the guy who braun and nak to a degree because i think they could look at nak as like well he's cheap yeah, yeah, the bad year, but you know he showed some. Like I think before before Nak had the bad year, I was expecting them to take Nak. He made sense to me. Like I, I thought that was a no brainer for Seattle, and then Nak was bad this year. So now it's like, well, what is he really? But I still think he's in the mix. You know, he. Let me put it this way: if let's say the Flyers are trying to get Seattle to take one of these big contracts, and Seattle, of course, because why wouldn't you? Even if Seattle has the plan in their heads that, you know, gun to our head, no sweetener attached, we will take JVR. If you're Seattle, you're still going to try to extract some value out of the Flyers to get that guy. You know, you know, yeah, it's good to get JVR. It's better to get JVR in a second round pick if you can swing it. So if you're Seattle and your plan deep down is to take JVR, I bet Ron Francis will try to sell the idea to Chuck Fletcher that well, you know, we might not take JVR. We might take Nick Albay-Cubell, who's younger and a lot cheaper and shows potential, and try to use that as a way to convince Fletcher to give them a pick to be certain that Seattle is going to take JVR to clear that space. Now, Chuck could obviously just call their bluff and say, no, you won't. You'll take JVR. We're not giving you shit. But NAK strikes me as the kind of guy who they would use as like, well, we might take this guy, you know, like he's a logical, because he, he makes sense. It's like, if you say like, well, we'll take Connor Bunneman and it says like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You'll take Connor Bunneman. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. But, but like, like NAK is valuable. <laughs> yeah. Like he's valuable enough and interesting enough that you could, you could say it. Um, Braun, I agree with you is a, He's someone who I've always had in the back of my head is like, I wonder if they would. He's on a cheap contract that's probably paying him less than what he's worth, which I think they're going to, they would be intrigued by. He's a good locker room guy. He's a vet. He's actually a good defensive defenseman, even if he's probably best served on a third pair. Like he's an, he's an easy guy to take and an easy guy to justify taking. The Hague thing, I know people have joked about it primarily because of Hack. I don't know if Hack, like, I don't know if Hack really liked Haig more so than there were defensemen on the roster that he didn't like. Yeah. And it was like Haig <laughs> wasn't them. Yeah. 
Like, no, I, like we all were, we we all said, you know, well, he liked Haig better than Sanheim. I don't know if that was that he really liked Haig more than he just really didn't like Sanheim, especially yeah, in that first year. Yeah, like if like Andrew McDonald playing first pair minutes, if Andrew McDonald was still here, we could all look at it, look at it, and go like, oh, Hack wants that fucking guy. Yeah. But, like, Haig, yeah. he was just thrown out there because, like, he hated anyone who was actually good. He thought good players were bad. <laughs> he thought good players were bad and bad players were good, so he really liked playing bad players. And, you know, that's why we sucked under him. Uh, yeah, I just think I just think Haig is a um, – he's not a guy who I think Hack will be banging the table for. I'm sure he likes him as a person. Like, Haig's a good guy, and he plays his role and listens to the coaches. But I don't think Hack is going to be like, yo, Robert Haig – is actually secretly a number three defenseman if we use him right. I think he knows he's not. Yeah, like, he's secretly, like, he's he's a good six if you use him right, maybe. Like, yeah. Can you yeah, imagine, like, the, the whole front office sitting there and he's like, Robert Haig! Like, oh, Need <laughs> him! Get me this guy! Like, they're just looking at each other like, can we fire him? <laughs> we were kidding, folks. That was fake news. Uh, he's not the coach. <laughs> So just kidding. We get Ritaka get... to the phone immediately. We can get back to <laughs> We're this. We're sorry. A... Yeah, we can get back to this in a second. But is Felix Sandstrom really the goalie we're going to expose? Yeah, that's he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's I... no there's no NHL games like yeah. requirement for goalies. Like people kept asking me in the the past couple of months, who are they going to expose a goalie? Who are they going to expose a goalie? Like you have to expose forwards and defensemen that have played games goalies you basically just need a guy you don't even he doesn't even need to be under contract like they have sandstrom sign but he didn't even need to be under contract all he needed was to get a qualifying offer and they could have exposed him like the requirements for goalie exposure to meet that requirement are so much less stringent than for forwards and defensemen that's just you literally just need a body you so, need a dude so are you saying he didn't have to play 40 games he did not have to play. <laughs> like, just, just straight up telling everybody, I like it improved my quality of life immensely. Just telling everybody straight out, I won't be dealing with the expansion draft until it comes. Like, remember <laughs> dude, that fucking Vegas one? Like, we were losing our minds over every single thing. Like, oh, Michael Neuvert and Andrew McDonald and all these things. Like, none of it mattered. They took Pierre Edward Belmar. Like, it was just, what a ridiculous time. Um, what is your confidence level? Have, now? We told, have we told this story on this show before, Charlie, about how we found out when oh. we were in Vegas? Because you know, guys were there. Back. Yeah, we might, have, yeah. We, we might have touched on it. Um, so basically the story was, was that this was, yeah, this was like the summer. I guess this was the summer right before I took the athletic gig. So I was still like essentially yeah. solely with BSH. And it was me, Steph, and Travis went to Vegas for, like, just to go to Vegas for, like, a mini vacation and then go to the expansion draft um, and the award ceremony. And the names of the players that are being um, that are being taken by Vegas, they started leaking, like, in the afternoon, or at least in the afternoon in Vegas. I don't know what time it was on the East Coast. But it was, like, you know, 2, 3 p.m., I guess. So it was still, like, still a lot of light out, still quite a few hours before um before the uh the award ceremony is going to start and it gets leaked by like one of the national guys it was like mckenzie or friedman like somebody who you know isn't going to screw it up and it gets leaked that they're taking belmar and at the time i mean in retrospect like you know belmar was a good player and you know the flyers just misused him but at the time i mean i really that was that was when michael roffle was still like 
Michael Roffel, like still a really good play driving wing who could play on the top line in a pinch, things like that. So I was afraid they were going to lose Roffel. And it gets reported they lo- they're going to lose Belmar, who I think had like nine points that year and like did not have a good, you know, statistical track record. In retrospect, it was probably because he was next to Chris Vandevelde, who was an average mm. German league player. But I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was like, this is great. They didn't, they didn't take Michael Roffel. I want to go celebrate. Steph, let's go to, because um, like we were staying at a hotel that wasn't Mandalay Bay, but it had access to it. Like you could go to the pool at Mandalay Bay and not have to pay. And I'm like, let's go. Let's go celebrate. Have a few drinks, like get in the pool, whatever. And Steph was like, I don't believe it. I don't think I don't think they're 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 taking Belmar. There's no way this could be true. I'm like Steph, like Bob McKenzie tweeted it. It's true. They're taking Belmar. No, no, not true, not true. Okay, Steph, do you want to like go do anything? No, I'm staying in the room. Like, okay, you sure? Yep, staying in the room. So I ended up going to Mandalay Bay pool by myself, bought a mojito, and literally just like sat in the pool and reveled in the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights were taking Pierre Edward Belmar while Steph waited in our hotel room and did nothing in Vegas in Vegas and did nothing all day until the award ceremony started and we went to it. <laughs> did I miss any details? Charlie is never going to <laughs> let me you, live I will never down. let her live it down. <laughs> what did you think like staying in the room would accomplish? I honestly have no idea. Like, <laughs> I, I must have been in a fugue state because, you, like, you number one, stop it, from it was 700 degrees in yeah. Las Vegas. Why really would hot. I not go and sit in a pool? Like, you know that feeling when your oven's on 450 and you open it and the heat just slaps you in the face? That's what Vegas was like in July. So why would I not go sit in a pool with one of my closest friends and drink mojitos and margaritas? Why would I not do that? Why would... In Vegas, I just sit in the room all day. Why Why would I do that? But that's what I did because I was so, I guess I was just so in shock that they were going to select Belmar. I have no, like, I've got no excuse for my actions. And yes, I, I never let Steph live this down. No, and you shouldn't. Because <laughs> I've never done anything more, like, off-brand in my life. <laughs> every single decision, everything that I said was so off-brand. Like, I trust Bob McKenzie and everything that he says without question. By the way, Bob McKenzie and Margarita Bob are on TikTok. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing. I said that just for you, Kelly. <laughs> he is living his best life. He is living his best life. I won't download the app. I simply won't do it. I, I'm too old. <laughs> I can't. That's the other thing. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Learn another social media. I just got like, a new I've Instagram. Got Twitter. That's the only one. I'm all set. I I need people to curate the TikTok videos and place them onto Twitter, and then I will consume them. But that's the only way it's going to happen. All right. So <laughs> Kelly, I don't know. I don't know if you caught what Charlie was saying, but he has a he, he's got a sneaking suspicion Chuck might get a little spicy in this expansion draft. And we were all saying like, I don't really see the protection list going any differently than you know kind of the chalky one that we have outlined here mm-hmm. but does it does anyone have reservations about the idea of chuck getting a little spicy with this i want the flyers to do stuff and they need to clear space and they need to make changes and they need to improve the team and i'm willing to take risks but um man he traded them alex he in in 2017 he traded vegas alex tuck so that they would select eric halla 
Um, you know, yeah, it's it not what out. Columbus or Florida. Didn't work out. It's not what Columbus <laughs> or Florida did, but fuck, it wasn't good. Wasn't <laughs> like good. he, he kind of, you know, the, the whole idea of giving them two guys when you can just give them one. It just blows my fucking mind. Now, like, yes, in in this situation, if we're to bribe them into taking Jake by saying you want Braun and a pick, like, absolutely give them two guys because we need the cap space. But, like, two productive pieces, like, young, I'll never understand it. So what's our confidence level in Chuck Fletcher heading into this thing? Because... Man, I'm willing to be proven wrong, but my confidence level in him overall is pretty low. We know, Bill. <laughs> saying. I, I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to to work from a place of hopefulness. And the idea that I I don't want to hold all of his Minnesota mistakes against him because I like to believe that people learn lessons. And I'm kind of hoping that he kind of looks at what he did there and was like, mm, not wasn't great what I did. Losing those two players instead of just letting them take one. That was dumb. Maybe I'll do something else this time. So I'm hoping that that'll be the case. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not nervous about the idea of him getting spicy. Let's put it that way. I am nervous that the spiciness just won't be exactly what we were hoping for. Like, I don't want to see him do something like use this first round pick to get them to take a player. Like I would rather use that first round pick to like acquire talent, yeah. right? So like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I agree with that. That kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. The one I, thing, the one yeah. thing that Chuck said, and so I wrote an article about the the Chuck Brent presser. Um, basically, the the theme of the article was like kind of like trying to cut through the GM speak and mm-hmm. like evaluate like what was actually said. And the one, but the one thing that I didn't touch on because it didn't fit the theme of the piece, but it did raise my eyebrows because it was like, really, really, Chuck, um, was someone asked, and it was a legitimately good question. I think it actually might have been been Karchidi. Um, it was like a follow up, and it was, um, did you like what did you learn from the first expansion draft, and like, will that will what you've learned like impact your strategies for this one? I mean, maybe the question could have been worded a little bit more pointed to be like, "Hey, you were one of the, the GMs that like really got burnt in the last one. You, any takeaways that like you're not going to do that again?" <laughs> um, but Chuck basically said no. He more or less was like, "No, it's totally different. Like, I'm not really going to do that many <laughs> takeaways from it." It's like I really hope that was Fuck just you, you like, "Fuck you." That, that, that's not a great answer because you really should have learned something no. because you were one of the GMs that came out looking really bad. And this is what like it's real bad. And it's not just him. Like the holy, everyone's all oh, the rules for Vegas. No, the fucking rules were easy if you didn't like galaxy brain it and think like. Oh, you know what? We need to get rid of Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau. Can't have two guys who are good. Like, oh, we need to protect Alex Petrovich. Like, that was fucking stupid. The whole league has to have learned these lessons. You would uh, hope. Uh, and, and and I like understand. William like, Carlson, I understand that was why. Luck. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pure luck. I understand why Chuck, you know, went the route he went in Minnesota because at the time he had. Um, it was kind of the same boat that Minnesota's in now. It's just now everybody's, you know, three, four years older. <laughs> um, he had, uh, 
He had Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, and Suter, who was still Ryan Suter at the time. He was an older Ryan Suter. He was still like a tail end of his prime Ryan Suter. So we had four defensemen, and I believe they had enough quality forwards that going just the 4-4-1 route, it would have left like a legitimately really good forward available. So he looked at it as, and he actually was kind of right on this, like he looked at it as Eric Howell isn't that good. And... Eric Halla had a good first year in yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Since then, he's been not that good. So I think Chuck, like, on the whole, was right that Eric Halla was a losable piece. It's a, an acceptable piece to lose. The problem was he gave up Alex Tuck for them to take Eric Halla, and Alex Tuck is actually really good. Like, Alex Tuck was a prospect at that point, and I think he just underrated how good of a prospect Alex Tuck was because Alex Tuck now is a very good player for Vegas. So, like, that was the mistake. I don't think the mistake was, like... Hal was, I think, who Chuck thought he was. It was just the piece he gave up for them to take Hal ended up being better than I think Chuck thought he was going to be, which was the evaluation mistake there. Yeah, and, like, a lot of these things, you look back in hindsight... You know, maybe they weren't as bad as we thought. Maybe they were worse. Like, you know, like I said, William Carlson is luck. Giving them picks to take William Carlson, that kind of stings. Like, yeah, that yeah. didn't work out for them. But yeah. I'm, I'm torn. I, I want to say he learned his lessons, but it's it's real. It's gonna be the first. It's gonna be the first thing we get to see him do because you like they're not gonna do mm-hmm. stuff until after the expansion draft. This is gonna set the tone for the off season. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. I hope it all works out. I'm just not super confident. I am just, I'm nervous about the timeline. So if he's not going to do anything until after the expansion draft, I mean, that's next Wednesday. The draft draft, the entry draft is Friday. And then free agency is the following Wednesday. Like that's... Oh, it's it's going to be not busy. a lot of time. It's yeah. going to be real busy, and the thing is too is that they they can't. So if they don't, this is something I think has maybe been a little underpublicized. Um, I pointed it out in my one of my pieces this week, but I don't think a lot of people realize. So early on Saturday, a trade freeze hits, and that trade freeze basically means that the only team that you can make trades with in the league from early Saturday through I believe like 11 a.m. on Thursday, is the Seattle Kraken. No trades are allowed between any other teams other than the Kraken and somebody else. So once Saturday hits, it's not even like Chuck wants to do, like like Chuck isn't doing deals because he doesn't want to. He literally will not be allowed to trade with anyone for a good four days during that trade freeze other than Seattle. So... If there isn't a trade involving the Flyers that is announced by, I believe it's like 1 or 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, like nothing's happening until Thursday that isn't expansion draft related. And is that, do they also during that period, Seattle, is that when they're able to sign like unprotected free agents? Like they can go out and they alone can like sign Brian Elliott? Yeah, well, it's, it's when they're allowed to start having exclusive conversations okay. with any UFAs that are unprotected from other teams. They get that, like, like weird exclusive negotiation window to talk to them. I think the reason why they have the trade freeze is just because, like, having teams be allowed to trade while Seattle is making its decisions just adds a layer of complexity to everything that would just mm-hmm. possibly fuck up the whole thing. So they're like, all right, this is Seattle's time. You all can't do anything unless it's with Seattle. 
But yeah, like that trade freeze makes it so that if there aren't any moves done by the Flyers, you know, today is Thursday, tomorrow is Friday. If there aren't any moves aren't any moves done by the Flyers in these next like forty eight or so hours, you know, it's it's not it's not going to happen until right before the draft, which is why I really think that you know from from Thursday through Tuesday of next week to the following, like it's going to be bonkers. There is going to be so much going on because once the expansion draft isn't like the sword of Damocles hanging over every GM's head, I think these guys are going to go ape shit. Here's I hope so. Sword Damocles. <laughs> I see. I see. You want to take a break? I. I we're going to do that. Uh, I just. Do you? Do you see that I, I want to take a break? We're going to take a break. I just want to know. Do you think that the league office still runs via fax? Like, yes. do you think all this shit has to get faxed? I absolutely do. <laughs> That's a great question. I bet it and does. They, I've got no reason to believe that it doesn't. There's no exactly. reason whatsoever to believe that it doesn't. Okay. Uh, I've, I have no reason to believe that they don't all have fax machines and, like, scanners, <laughs> but only one page at a time. Yeah, 100. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have, like, the, the three-in-one, like, printer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break now. We're really going to do it. Uh, wh- where are we in the show? Is it like, oh yeah, we're at like 48. We're towards the end yeah. here. All right. So we're going to take a break and then, uh, we're going to talk more about some things that went on while Chuck Fletcher was, uh, the GM in Minnesota and how they relate to right now. All right. That's it. Break time. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody, we are back, and I want to talk first about, uh, well, all this, all this ties together. So this coming Monday will be the ninth anniversary of the Weber offer sheet. 14 years, $110 million, five days later, the Predators said, we'll match it. And they did, and he remained a Predator until he was traded to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Now it is coming out that Shea Weber's career is in jeopardy. Uh, Just wear and tear over the years, bunch of injuries, might not be able to play. Um, First, I just want to talk about the, the cap recapture here. And this stupid fucking rule. Uh, so if he retires instead of just going on LTIR, like Pronger style, uh, the recapture the recapture is going to be five years for the Habs at 543000 a year. And five years for the Predators at $4.9 million a year. Um, That's insane. First of all, 
who the fuck came up? Like, why? It was the owners and front offices who handed out these contracts. And then the owners and front offices who negotiated the 2013 CBA. Why would they do this to themselves? Like, you handed out these contracts. They were totally legal. And then you were like, oh, no, we have to punish ourselves and, like, start whipping yourself like the fucking uh, guy in that show about Atlantic City on HBO. Well, I think it's, it's, it's partially, yeah, right. I think it's partially because, you know, not all of the owners were capable of giving out these contracts. So it was a little bit punitive from, like, the small market owners to the big market owners of, like, well, this is what you get. Boo-hoo, we keep um, you afloat. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, like, I, I think the cap recapture thing's dumb. Like, you could you could have changed the rule and just grandfathered in old contracts. Yeah. But, hey, I mean, I'll, I'll look, I'll give the NHL credit on one thing. I thought for sure that the first time the cap recapture hurt, like, legitimately hurt, like, a, a high-profile team, that they would just say, eh, never mind, it doesn't count. <laughs> kind of like what they did with the uh, the Kovalchuk contract yeah. and penalizing the Devils. It was like, well, we'll punish you, but, like, when you actually have to be punished, we're just going to pretend we never punished you. Um, I'll give them credit. Like, they've stuck to it. Like, I think uh, Vancouver had, like, a decent punishment for the Luongo deal. Luongo, yeah. Yeah, they just had to eat it. And I thought for sure that the NHL was going to waive that, and they didn't. The one thing that I would find really funny, and I don't, I don't think this is going to happen because I don't think Weber is going to retire, at least not yet, at least not to the point where it would matter this offseason. But it would be hilarious, utterly hilarious, if Weber retired, the Preds then have this massive cap hold, which then tells them we have to blow up our team which then inspires them to have to trade one of Ekholm or Ellis to the Flyers. Hello. It would be 10 years Paul in the Holmgren, Paul Holmgren playing the long game with the revenge to get the Flyers Charlie. a top pair defenseman finally. What have I been saying for six months? Build him a statue. What have I been saying for six months? Bring Paul Holmgren back right now. <laughs> this man. Paul Holmgren was actually a genius who not only was a great GM, but also could see oh. 10 years into the future. That That's what all this was setting up towards. Yeah, we, the Shea Weber, the Shea Weber offer sheet was not meant to get Shea Weber. It was three-dimensional chess to get Ryan Ellis 10 years later. Want that to be true. So I have built him a goddamn statue in front of City Hall. <laughs> it would just be so great. Uh, so I have a quick question about Weber before I tie this into something else. So there's been a point made to say Shea Weber won't be protected. Um, he's missed a bunch of games with these injuries. So like obviously there's years of evidence to support the truthfulness of these injuries. Um, but do you think there's any chance? This is all a big ruse to aid Montreal in the expansion draft. They can leave Weber, Weber exposed, but say, like, hey, he might not play. You can't take him. Uh, scare everyone away. And then they can protect a bunch of other guys instead. Do you think there's any chance I sure of that? do. I sure think that there's an above 50% chance. I wouldn't, I don't think there's an above. I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, maybe GMs are like, well, look at what Tampa just did. Let's really try exactly. to bet. Exactly. <laughs> but, look at, look but at, and I, I, Montreal I just hurt. lose to. Yeah, right. I think he's actually hurt. Yeah, I mean, he looks like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on. Uh, so that was the 2012 offseason that just absolutely wild and crazy time when 
Paul Holmgren was in on everybody and got nobody. Uh, ended up with, <laughs> ended up with somehow a much worse team than he started the. Bruno offseason. Gervais. Bruno Gervais, oh, baby. Uh, he was gonna, he was gonna replace Matt Carl, no problem. Um, oh no, I was not expecting to hear that so, name today. So in that same off season, it was the uh, the Suter and Parisi deals up in Minnesota. Obviously, the Flyers were in on them too. They went up to play in Southern Canada, go home, have their fun together up there. Um, now. Nine years later. Southern Canada. Yeah. Is that what you call Minnesota? Southern Minnesota, Wisconsin. That whole, it. It's just fucking Southern Canada. Like, come on. Kind of they, is. Listen to how they talk. Uh, it's not American, tell okay. you that. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So that's so Suter and Parisi, nine years later, are now bought out. They will they are or will become free agents. Do we have any interest in either? Yep. We had interest nine Depends years ago. On the- cost I mean, and not zach parise i mean i just I, ryan Suter. i'd kick the tires i don't think Suter makes sense not not for the sense of like the flyers shouldn't be interested if i'm the flyers yeah i mean i give them a call see if see if there's any interest there but if i'm ryan Suter, and this is the the vibe i've been getting from what i've heard like first off i want to make this this clear this is from the story that michael russo penned it was hilarious so the story of them finding out <laughs> it's really funny. Well, I mean, it's it's not. It's funny in the sense that like it's just bizarre. I feel bad for Ryan Suter, but like it is like darkly funny. Basically, like it, it was almost reminiscent of the Carter Richards trades, where like Parise thought that there was a chance he was going to get bought out. He gets the email, or or, or I think he got the, the, the call from like the, the facts. Yeah, <laughs> he got the call from from Bill Guerin telling him like we're going to buy you out and. The first person he calls is Ryan Suter. And Ryan Suter is like, like, you know, they both knew it was a possibility. And Suter is like trying to, you know, like be a good buddy. You know, like, hey, you know, it's great. Like, you know, you'll get a fresh start somewhere else. It's this is actually it's actually not that bad for you. You know, you know, you'll you you were pretty far down the lineup. Like you can find a new you can pick your destination. I'm sure you'll find a great place. Like he's trying to like, you know, basically pat his buddy on the shoulder. And then he's he says in the conversation, like, yeah, and like Bill Bill like left a voicemail for me, you know, a couple about an hour ago. Like I haven't listened yet, you know, but I'm I'm sure you know, whatever. It's it's whatever. And then he gets like he's on the phone with Parisa and he gets another call from Garen. And he's like, I gotta take this. And he takes it, and that's when Garen tells him he's getting butt out too. And apparently Suter hung up on him. Was just like you gotta be shitting me. I could just, just like, up on the guy. <laughs> I'm pictured like him just being all pissed and coming back, like uh, like call waiting, going back over to Parisi. He's like, I just got bought out too. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh now you'll be cool. You get a fresh start. He goes, no, fuck, fuck you, you man. You <laughs> 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 told me to come to this shithole. <laughs> oh, like, oh my god. Like I would, but get, but yeah, getting getting back to the point I was making, like I think Suter, he's older, he's still pretty darn good, like not as good as he used to be, but he's still like probably like a solid second pair guy, a really good third pair guy. Um, I think he's gonna want to go to a team that can win him a cup, like that he's mm. gonna be confident. And the Flyers, like, I mean, obviously they're trying to have this big off season, but they're not a team where if you're Ryan Suter, you're like, I'm gonna join the Flyers and win a cup this year. They're, you're looking at like the Vegases, the Colorados, you know, the the Tampas, maybe the Boston's. Like those are the teams you're looking at if you're going to sign a cheap one year deal to try to chase down a cup at age 36. You're not looking at the Flyers. God damn. Rude. Yeah, no, he's. I like, mean, I would. I'd sign him for two years. 
<laughs> Me what a personally. great idea. I mean, they two, gave a two-year contract. They gave Braun two years. Write so. it up, Chuck. <laughs> like I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind at all like Sandheim suitor second pair. Like that's something right? I'd have some interest in. They need two defensemen, potentially three, like if the draft goes a, the expansion draft goes a certain way. I I wouldn't but I wouldn't mind it, but like Charlie said, yeah, this is probably it for him. He's going to Tampa. Like that's going to happen. It does. It's a very Tampa thing to do. No state. Like they'll they'll Tampa. they'll trade they'll trade Ryan McDonough <laughs> and get some like super great yep. prospect and then replace him with Ryan Suter for a million dollars. Yep. So oh like, yeah. No, they're they're gonna fully. Do we want Ryan McDonough? I would like a Ryan McDonough. I would like. Could could we knock on that door? I mean, maybe. Who knows? Did he he played for Vigneault, right? Yeah. Ah, yeah, he did. Shit. Did they hate each other? Probably. I mean. I think they liked each other, except for the <laughs> fact that, you know, Vino stuck in with Dan Girardi for, you know, uh-huh, five uh-huh, years. Uh-huh. So they were maybe like- Vin- maybe Vino openly liked him, but like secretly hated him and wanted to make his life a living hell by putting him next to Dan Girardi. Well, didn't, weren't they pals when they were together in Tampa, though? Like Who? Oh, oh no, no, no. Him and Girardi are buddies. Girardi, it's yeah. just that Girardi stinks. Yeah. Maybe he was a little better than he got credit for back then. Maybe. Like, maybe. I'm not saying he was good. I'm just saying maybe a little better than he got credit for back then. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Um, another guy who may or may not make sense for the Flyers actually might be willing to come here. Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> he's on the, uh, he, apparently he has a no trade cause and he's on the, he's on, the Flyers are on his list. Jesus Christ. Words, bills, sentences, nouns, verbs, etc. It is your job yeah. to, to build sentences. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can speak so. them. Yeah. Nouns uh, so, and verbs are what make up sentences. Yeah. So proud of you. Tarasenko. Who said that this podcast wasn't educational? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for vamping while I get my thoughts back together. Uh, so, I got you. Yeah, Tarasenko's 29 with two years left at seven and a half mil. Just a few years ago was one of the league's best scorers. Uh, but man, over the last two seasons, he's played 34 games and scored seven goals. Uh, he's willing. He wants out badly. He hates St. Louis. Uh, can't blame him. It's St. Louis. Um, Awful pizza. Yeah. The Flyers. <laughs> he's willing to be traded to the Flyers, Rangers, Isles, Knights, Bruins, Caps, Bolts, Panthers. And that, honestly, when I saw the list, I was like, oh, I am pretty happy that, like, a former superstar, at least, looks at the Flyers in the same category as the rest of those teams. That's nice. That's, uh, you know, we talk all the time about how the Flyers aren't a destination anymore. <laughs> Maybe Tarasenko can't play anymore, but he wants to come here. <laughs> Maybe that well, whole idea that no one wants to play for the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, that was just a thing that people made up in their minds and it's not actually true. There's that, too. Also that. <laughs> also that. Um, yeah, I mean, Tarasenko... Th- the thing with Tarasenko for me is that it's really hard for me personally to separate I know. like the rational side of trading for Vladimir Tarasenko and the fact that like Vladimir Tarasenko has been one of my favorite hockey players pretty much since he got drafted. Like I love the guy. I love watching him play. He's one of my favorite hockey players to watch. It would be so awesome to be able to watch him in Philadelphia if he's, you know, even 90% of what he once was. Obviously the concern is injuries and it's specifically the shoulder. So the the, the big thing with him was that he had the shoulder problem. Um he tried to get it fixed right after they won the cup and like 
the surgeries didn't really take. And I think now he's had three on the shoulder. He thinks it's fixed now. And part of the reason why he wants out is I think he blames St. Louis's like training staff and whatever for the fact that he had to get three surgeries in the first place. Like he thinks that they screwed it up and that the trust is now gone between the two because he basically just lit two years of his career on fire because he was trying to fix his shoulder and they didn't let him do what he really wanted to get done in the first place anyway, which he believes now has it fixed. So obviously there's a risk because you just had three shoulder surgeries and you play a, you know, a hard-nosed, aggressive style, getting to the front of the net. Can he do that anymore? Like, that was what I love so much about Tarasenko yeah. pre-injury is that, you know, he had the great shot. He was a sniper. But he also was willing to get to the front of the net. He was he was a, like, a small power forward who also could beat goalies from distance and also was good enough defensively that his play driving numbers were always through the roof. And his numbers have went down, you know, even after he came back, you know, and he thinks he's back to what he was. Obviously, a player is never going to admit that he's not what he once was. I mean, look at Vinny LeCavalier. Vinny LeCavalier, until the end of his career, was talking like he deserved to be on the first line. It's like, dude, you can't skate anymore. Sorry. But when you're a proud player, you don't believe you've actually declined. You just believe that, you know, you just need to put me with good players and I'll be great again. So it's hard to tell with, with Vlad, but like... I tweeted this on Twitter earlier today. What fascinates me about the Tarasenko thing, and I try to put my bias of really liking him as a player out of it, is that I think the Flyers, one of their needs, one of their their low-key big needs, is that they don't have a forward in their forward core anymore, now that Giroux isn't as dynamic as he used to be, who really scares defenses. They don't have it, and I think it really shows up on the power play now, that they just Mm -hmm. don't have that guy that teams have to be really worried about. And that's part of the reason I think why the power play is such a mess, because it's just a bunch of like, it's a bunch of good players, but no weapon that they really have to to, to key on, which then serves to open up everybody else. And the problem is, is that like, yeah, you obviously would love to get that guy because I think it would add a whole new element to the way teams have to, you know, approach playing the Flyers. But you also need to get better on defense. You you also need to spend money on a backup goalie. Like you need there there are other holes that probably are more pressing than that, and it's going to cost assets, whether in the form of cap space or you know picks or prospects or roster players or all of those things to fill those holes. So to to fill those holes and also get the dynamic player. It's going to be tough. Like, if you're going to, like, let's say you trade for Ryan Ellis, like, do you then have enough assets to also trade for Jack Eichel? I don't know. I don't know if you do. You might have to give up enough assets in the Ellis trade that you don't no, no longer have the pieces to, to convince Buffalo to trade you Eichel. <laughs> Tarasenko intrigues me because I don't think he's going to cost all that much That's because the... of the risk. So yeah. it's like, and he is that guy. If he comes back and he bounces back, from the injury and looks like 90% of what he was pre-shoulder surgeries. He's that guy. Defenses have to be terrified of him. And you could get him for cheap. Obviously, the risk is that he's not that guy, and then for two years he's a liability plus whatever you gave up. But that's why you have the potential to get him, which is why I think the Flyers have to take it seriously, because how often does a Vladimir Tarasenko-type player become available where you don't have to give up your entire farm system plus a really good young player to get him. 
because it's an opportunity. Yeah, like literally a, never. That never. It's a happens. risk, but it's an opportunity, and that's why it has to be taken seriously. That's I wanted to know. Like, what's I our what's, completely agree? What's our risk willingness here? Because like we talked about Jack Eichel, and like man, yeah, this team could really use fucking Jack Eichel, but he's got a neck injury. Like I I'm, I don't know if I'm willing to like take that sort of risk. With Tarasenko, like, he's only 29. It's not like he's 35. And he has the marks against him, 34 games, 7 goals last two years. But that brings his price down. What would it take, exactly. to, what would it take to get him? Like, wh- what realistically are we looking at here? Like, say it was Ghost Patrick and a first. I, w- I would do that. Yeah, right? I, I would... I would probably do that. Especially because Ghost is somebody I think they're trying to get rid of Exactly. (laughs) Like, I don't think, I don't even view Ghost as a positive value asset at this point in terms of the way he's viewed around the league. So, like, if you're moving him as, like, one of the centerpieces in a deal for Vladimir Tarasenko, sure. I'm saying, like, is it, is his, because he's made it clear he wants out, like, we have his list of teams he's willing to go to, so it's not like there's a huge negotiating pool. Like, can we get Mm -hmm. it? Is it spare parts in a first round pick? Is it, it Travis Konechny? Like, I don't think it's Kine- I, I the, the the suggestion that Jeremy Rutherford and Corey Priman made in the article they did on Tarasenko was Myers and Frost, and I I don't think it's going to cost that much. I mean, yeah, I could that's kind of high. I would also I be, do that. It depends on what totally you think of off. Frost. Like, it it really does. Yeah. I could yeah. be totally off, but I just have a feeling that. He's got only 10 teams he's willing to be traded to. He's got the injury concerns. He's got a high cap hit. Like the way the only way it costs that much to get him is if there are a lot of teams that want him. And when you when you artificially cut down on the pool of teams that can be in the mix, that cuts down on the chances that he's going to cost that much because you just have fewer teams that can drive up the price. And I don't know like I don't know if he's going to cost that much. I think you might be able to get this guy. Like, I go back to how we all lost our minds when, like, Boston got Taylor Hall for nothing. Mm. And I just, like, this has those similar vibes to me where, like, Tarasenko wants out. St. Louis knows they have to move him. There is no, there is basically no scenario where Vladimir Tarasenko is on the St. Louis Blues next season, which gives them very little leverage and other gms know that and then you you add in the injury concerns and it's like how much are teams really going to offer do you think it would be worth paying a little bit extra to see if they would retain maybe i mean maybe Yeah, yeah it depends on how much you offer sure i i haven't heard anything one way or the other whether the flyers are actually in the mix for vladimir tarasenko i just think it makes sense it makes i mean if he's on the list they need to be Exactly. If he's on, if the Flyers are on the list, like Chuck's calling about it. Like there's yeah. no, there's no scenario in which they're not kicking the tires yeah. on this, and given also, that they're one of 10 teams. Right. And also doctors in Philadelphia are a lot better than they are in Missouri. Well, like, I mean, is, doesn't do they Washington, have doctors in Washington Missouri? University of St. Louis? Isn't, I think Washington University of St. Louis is a good, is a good, like we have, we of. have more than that. Fair, fair point. They also so like, can we'll take like. Care I mean, your pl- shoulder. Players we'll can pay also you like two point seven or seven point five for <laughs> however many years. Players can fly <laughs> to other cities to get their surgeries. They're not yeah. stuck. With Listen, just... <laughs> they're pretty wealthy. 
You're exactly. not allowed to go to Private the doctors plane. in Philly, though, unless you're a Flyers. Yeah. So exactly. couldn't have gone to Penn. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's why Nolan Patrick was lucky to be drafted here. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but it's like, I know, I, I don't know whether the Flyers have, have real serious interest in Vladimir Tarasenko. I know that the Flyers for a long time, and this is like a Chuck Fletcher thing, they know they really could use a sniper. Like this, that's, that's mm-hmm. been, it, that's not just like a fan thing where fans are like, we need a sniper. Like I, I've talked to people in the organization, like they know, they, they, like, they know that they overpass. They know they could use a guy who just can let it friggin' rip. I mean, and Tarasenko's that guy. Like does Claude Giroux ever think about going to Chuck Fletcher and be like, listen, I know this isn't your fault cause you just got here. But this organization wasted my whole fucking career, like, not giving me a goal scorer. Like, I had Scott Hartnell for a year, and he scored 37 fucking goals. Like, maybe you could get me one guy who could do this thing. Now. That sounds like a lot more words than Claude Giroux has ever said in his life. Like, when this is it. I just, like, this is it for me. Yeah. (laughs) I just think that, that like, like, Vladimir Tarasenko, okay, like, is he not what he used to be? Maybe. Maybe he's not like the two-way force he was before the shoulders because he has to play a little bit more passive, a little bit more on the perimeters. But you know what? I mean, you give me a you give me a Drew Couturier Tarasenko first line. I think Ooh, that's enough support that if he's not the two-way player he used to be, and if he's just gonna be sniping goals, I think that'll be fine. Like got some pants feeling, Charles. Or- <laughs> Got those pants feelings. Aren't, aren't they just due to get aren't they just due to get lucky? Like something work out, you know? Like you would you would think overdue you, we do in Philadelphia. They win a draft lottery and they get like the worst fucking guy in the whole first round. Like uh, Matt Niskanen just quits. Like aren't they? <laughs> They get Carter. Matt Niskanen plays one season yeah. for the Flyers. He's like, you know what? You know I'm what? Good. I don't this love. Awesome. I don't love hockey anymore. Awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Carter Hart. Oh yeah, he's gonna be the franchise. He's the savior. He's the next Carey Price. Like, is the worst goalie in hockey. Like, uh, aren't in like hockey history. Yeah. Like, oh aren't they God. just? He's he like he had a fucking 1980s save percentage last year. <laughs> aren't they just do? Yes. <laughs> Overdue. Yes. So get me, get me Tarasenko. You know what, Fletcher? If you get Tarasenko and it doesn't work out, that's one of them things I won't hold against you. Like you, I would agree with you that. You try. I would agree. Yeah. You, you, you took a swing. You yeah. took a swing. He, he's not as good as he used to be. We know that now. But you gave it, you gave it a shot. You gave it a like, ride, and it was, it was fun. Don't give up Farabee and Cam York for him. Sure, but sure. like, if if you give it a shot on like a Tarasenko sort of thing. I'll go, you really, you know, it could have worked or it could have not. It didn't, if it doesn't. You know, like, I would Someone record this because we will be playing it back in five years. Oh, I'll blame him for things that go wrong. But, like, if you try and it just doesn't work out, there ain't nothing you can do. Like, Paul Holmgren, I don't hold Chris Pronger getting hurt against him. Like, that team was good enough to win a cup. They almost did. Yeah. You know. Shit happens. Michael Layton, you know, things happen sometimes. But yeah, uh, uh, man, it's exciting. It's I'm bored too, Kelly, but it's going to start happening. It really feels like they're going to do stuff. They have. Yeah, to. I, I they're they're going to do stuff without question. We're going to get some stuff. I, for one, am excited about it. All right, guys, I think uh, I think that's it. Did we did we talk we did it out? It. 
All right. We talked it out. Steph, you want to plug the party Come again? to our draft party. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Friday, the 23rd of July at Xfinity Live. Bully's Pub within Xfinity Live. 6 p.m. And that is all the time we have for you today on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know what I'm going to say. You got to hit that fucking subscribe button. Do it. Hit subscribe. Write a review. It isn't hard. Then download all the shows. Listen to them (laughs) on multiple devices. Maybe make some burner accounts. Do the same thing. Whatever you got to do, do it. All right, that's it. Thanks a lot. My name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!